0: Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And today's guest is a really exciting one. He's an amazing comedian who is a host for Culture Kings and the cast. Please welcome Jacques Neal. Hey, what's going on? Really excited to have you here. We're talking about a great, great movie today. But mm-hmm. before we get into today's pick, why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with horror, how it started, if it's been... Something you've been a fan of for a long time or a more recent thing? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, thanks for having me. I have
1: a funny relationship with horror. So let's let's go back. Let's go back to Chicago. As a little young boy, my mom loved horror. My mom always tells me, like, you know, she was watching horror movies because her older sister would go to my aunt. Her older sister would go watch horror movies. And my grandmother would be like, well, take Nicole with you. And my mom was like, fucking six (laughs) so she shouldn't have been going to go watch like the poltergeist and exorcist and like you know hellraiser and all these movies but like she was introduced to them at a young age so because of that you know it fucked her up but it also made her a fan (laughs) of of horror movies in general so for me you know she was very like horror stuff was always on the television when i was Mm. growing up you know i remember the first thing that scared the shit out of me was it (laughs) <laughs> um like the um the T V the Tim Curry one. Same. Which I think was like ninety one, ninety two. So at that point I was like five or six and I remember like that scaring the hell out of me, right?
0: Yeah, I'm I mean my name is George, and so Georgie right at the beginning, oh, yeah. little kid gets his ass killed. It's yeah, <laughs> like, man.
1: no, I'm done with this. <laughs> it was rough, man. It was rough, man. <laughs> it was rough. So yeah, I, I, I watched horror movies growing up at a young age and and like was fine with them. And then, you know, the horror movies that never got to me were horror movies like the gory shit or you know also i'm i'm 35 so you know in my preteen years that's when jason and freddy were making like crazy and chucky were making like crazy amount of movies and they started getting sillier and sillier and sillier yeah but the shit that really started to get to me was psychological horror movies like movies that you know cuz michael myers ain't gonna catch me you know <laughs> jason not gonna fucking catch me i'm not gonna be at camp david or whatever they are or a camp whatever and if i am this nigga not gonna kill me so like i <laughs> so those movies didn't bother me so sixth sense this is where my relationship with horror really like kickstarts wow a philly special yeah so uh shout out to bruce willis too one of his one of his good <laughs> movies one of his great movies oh yeah but i watched that and i think this movie came out in 99 somewhere around that time frame So I'm 13, and for the first time in my life, I have my own room as well. So I'm sleeping alone and shit like that. And, you know, we all know what that movie is about. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, We all know what that movie is about at this point. If you don't, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But in the movie, they have a little part that uh, the little boy or whoever says, like, this is how you know a ghost is present. And it, it went like some shit like, you know, You feel a little chill in the room because they like cold temperature. They be opening cabinet doors and shit and stuff like that. Right. So I watched The Sixth Sense and it's like dope. It's cool. It doesn't really affect me. But I go to sleep that night and I like wake up in the middle of the night, like with feeling like a little, I swear to God, this is a true story. (laughs) I felt like a little chill and I was like, oh, and it like woke me up. And as I woke up, my bedroom had a clear view of the kitchen. And one of the cabinet doors was open, like, when I woke up. (laughs) And this was probably, like, three days after I saw The Sixth Sense. So, like, I jumped out of bed and ran to my mom's room and slept in her bed for two and a half months. (laughs) and again i'm 13 years old i'm like no there's a fucking ghost in this house hey, there's a ghost in this fucking house so that really fucked me up with horror movies at like psychological horror movies for a long time like probably until my mid-20s when i started to like get back into it i remember like it follows came out and i was like okay and then like so now i'm back into it and I, i i like them to a degree and like the psychological aspect of the of it Doesn't affect me as much. Like I'll still, maybe I'll get a little scared for a day or two, but I'm not, you know, going to my mom's door and be like, can I sleep (laughs) with you anymore? Uh, But to this day, to this day, Thirty-five years old, I'll be thirty-six this year. I cannot sleep with the door open.
0: Wow!
1: Like I, because I don't want to see. In my mind, (laughs) if there's a ghost outside, sure, they won't bother me if the door's closed. I don't want to see out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, like and it started (laughs) with that shit. Like I can't sleep with the door open. I don't care. I don't care if my room is facing a brick wall. Like I have Uh to close the door yeah Uh, to my bedroom so that's my relationship with horror i i I enjoy it i've really gotten back into it to a degree as far as like i'm okay watching movies again Mm -hmm. yeah because for a minute there i was like i I, you know what (laughs) i don't even think i can watch horror movies they got me they got the best of me (laughs) i'm good i'm good i don't need to do this
0: to myself (laughs) hell yeah hell yeah well we are talking today about the movie us yep directed by jordan peele oh yeah and we have talked on this show previously about his uh, previous directorial effort, Get Out, and part of that discussion was the way that people react to horror movies that break into the mainstream and how a lot of people who are a little snobbish tend to go, oh, it's not horror, <laughs> once yeah. it once it reaches a certain level of prestige. sure. And so for this movie, Jordan said, all right, we're going to lean in, and there's not going to be any doubt that this is a horror movie in people's minds hmm And there are plenty of evil doppelgangers in media, and it's a classic for a reason. It's very easy to sort of uh, shake things up. You know, you're used to external threats, but there's a, a a cool switch when it's suddenly internal and external. It's a reflection of yourself. I think it's a really cool enemy. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think one of the cool things about Jordan Peele and himself is... Like, he has a lot of things working for him. I think, like, the fact that he entered into this space and many people did not see it coming, (laughs) you know? I think that helps with him maybe having, like, some legitimacy, but also, like, some people saying, like, is this horror, you know? But so because of that, I think him entering into the space that many, because, you know, Key and Peele, he's a comedian, he's a comedy guy, and he's entering into these horror and horror like ish films it it makes you say huh all right let's see what you're talking about right so (laughs) it it, it piques your interest in a really cool way i think but yeah you know like i i I talk about this quite a bit in every medium that i can you know gatekeepers are are weird yeah if you don't like it that's fine who cares if you don't (laughs) like it but Shit! If somebody was like, "Yo, this shit scared me," then it was horror. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, it was horror. I, I always say it's such a flexible genre. Like, yeah. I've gotten so much uh, grief about some of the choices that we've had on the show, just because I'm like, whatever. If someone's willing to defend it as horror, yeah. pretty much I'm willing to to see them on that level. Absolutely, absolutely. Because why not, right? I mean,
1: yeah. who who's to? It's it's really funny because you know, look, there are snobs in every genre, right? But I think horror, and you can you probably watch more than I do, so you can probably speak to this way better than I can. But I think horror, unlike a lot of other genres, I guess comedy is also kind of like this. But you know, a lot of people don't give it the chance to break out of like their boxes. Mm-hmm. For instance, <laughs> like with the comedy, if something is a comedy, even if it's a little like Atlanta, right? Like Atlanta is a comedy that is very much breaking the norms of what people you know, have thought comedies were um, in the past, but it is at its core a comedic show that has other elements to it it has horror and that shit i don't know if you're watching this new season but it's some scary shit in this new season <laughs> and horror i feel like you know there will be some movies where you will watch them and then somebody be like nah man that's not horror it's more i can see it's a thriller it's maybe a thriller <laughs> but it's not horror like hey, what the fuck you mean yes I what mean, does yes. that mean what is yeah. a thriller it's a, it's intense right you you're a little <laughs> on the edge you know you it's suspense. it's suspense it's like all these different words to like just yeah.
0: say yeah, man, that's horror. I don't want to be suspenseful. <laughs> like, that shit is scary. Uh, I remember a similar thing with when Parasite came out, and everyone was like, oh, it's a comedy. It's a drama. There's elements mm-hmm. of horror to it, and no one knew how to pin it down. And yeah. I was like, why do you need to pin it down? You don't. <laughs> you don't, yeah. If, you don't. It, if it has elements of
1: different genres, then, like, yo, that's... Kudos. <laughs> kudos exactly
0: exactly it's it's way more impressive that way yeah and i think jordan like you said his coming from a comedy background definitely helps here he's a very funny guy i've talked about how deft he is at leveraging the similarities of comedy and horror that sort of building to a breaking point you know whether it's a punchline a subversion that you weren't expecting mm-hmm. or a, a jump you know there's it's two sides of the same coin basically yeah and he talks about how he uses the comedy in his movies to let you catch your breath, catch up emotionally, yeah. which makes the next scare that much worse because you're you've already come to grips with what's happened. Yeah, I mean that's the crazy thing about us too. Like Get Out had had that
1: to a degree, and and look, you know, here's here's a funny not. To, I mean, I know we're not talking about Get Out, but as we lead into Us, Get Out, you know, maybe it's scarier for a certain demographic of people than other. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like. I I get that, you know, as mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. black people it's like, yo man, yeah, this shit's scary. Yeah. For white people, they could probably be like, huh, what a good film. <laughs> just 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 <laughs> what a good film. And and you know, black people are like, all hey, motherfucker <laughs> yeah watch out <laughs> <laughs> Like you know i remember uh maybe a year or two after get out came out i was going to arizona for spring training and in the movie get out there's a the point where the the dude who was the grandpa but he was the black like dude cutting wood and shit was like outside right. running toward daniel Kaluay and like that shit was like you know scary right yeah. <laughs> and i we pulled up into arizona and we were staying in a mansion but it was an airbnb but it was a mansion that had different wings that you could rent out for the airbnb it was fucking weird and it was like one in the morning like we got there like one or two in the morning so it's dark and we pull onto the like the gates we pull into the space and there's this asian dude just running on the space and he's running he's sprinting and then he like takes a turn off and then like he goes away and we don't see him for the rest of the fucking weekend And I'm there with my, like, white girlfriend at the time, and I'm just like, yo, I don't know about this shit. <laughs> like, I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie, man. I've seen this movie. I was tense, man. I was a little tense for that first night. guess like, so I was like, we do not know where this dude went. Why was he running? It's 2 in the morning. Like, I'm here with a white girl. Like, this is terrible. Wow. So, wow. yeah, that shit, it, it spooks you. And, and so I do think, I think that's one of the cool things about Jordan Peele with Get Out is that... It kind of has two elements to it, where if it's speaking to you, you you really can understand the horror internally. And, you know, like for those who were on the opposite side of that, the appreciation is there and the external like understanding of (laughs) the internal fear that some people had was (laughs) was there. But like, you know, but you know, you had to externally get there. I mean, yeah, you can understand it's fucked up, but...
0: You know, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's part of what makes horror, I think, so great. Though is is that it is uh, such a uniquely empathetic genre, yeah. and I think that it does such a great job of asking you to put yourself in the shoes of whoever the protagonist might be. And I yeah. think that Get Out in particular does such a really fantastic job of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: But Us was just straight up horror to me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Us, <laughs> us was like, yo, we ain't got no social. I mean, I do think there's a social commentary in Us, but obviously not to degree not to the degree that get out was us was sure just it's like, not quite as front and center yeah us was just like yeah what if this fucked up shit was real <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and so like us was us was a was a i thought was a very nice detour from what get out was uh as far as the elements of horror that he
0: yeah
1: you know portrayed in each film
0: definitely so he said his specific evil double influence mm-hmm. comes from the Twilight Zone and the episode Mirror Image specifically. Yeah. The Twilight Zone is something I watched a lot of with my dad. That episode is a very fun one. From the very first season, there's an evil double in a bus station. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you take a bus? What? <laughs> Yeah. The location underground came from Jordan himself taking the train home as a teenager. Yeah. And there was a scary underpass that he imagined seeing his other self coming for him in, which, sure, that's scary as hell. Yeah. That is scary. (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: like, you know, the. Even the way the movie starts off, where. You know, like, there's the thing, like, deja vu, right? And like, mm-hmm. we all have our different ideas of what deja vu is, maybe. And But my idea of deja vu, and I came up with this when I was very high, but I, I it stuck, <laughs> and I believe it, is, like, there is almost, like, a parallel multi-universe where, like, the shit you are experiencing deja vu happen to your other self, like, on another mm-hmm. planet in another shit. universe, right? I believe that shit. <laughs> I think that's true. So, watching the way even us starts off... Where, like, all their doppelgangers are fucked up versions of them who, like, don't <laughs> yeah. know how to actually be human. It's like the visceral, carnal side of, like, these people, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they call them the tethers, right? And, like, are you pulling from you know you're tethered are you put like Mm. is is your tethered like not real or are you pulling some of your evil energy are we inherently good or is your inherently evil part underground and all these things i thought like the questions us asked of us were really interesting and really dope and fucked up (laughs) yeah
0: most importantly fucked up fucked up (laughs) fucked up yeah so there's a lot of other homage to horror besides uh, the Twilight Zone in this movie. There isn't a commentary on the disc, unfortunately, but there are a lot of really good interviews. And he specifically mentions A Tale of Two Sisters, which is a good movie, uh, The Birds, the Hitchcock movie, mm-hmm. Alien, and he did a special call out for The Lost Boys, the vampire movie, because that, spe- that also takes place at Santa Cruz and the boardwalk, and it uh, subverted that sort of very vibrant environment for, for the first time for Jordan. Ah, uh, Interesting.
1: Up, ain't it messed up too how things that are generally supposed to bring us joy can be easily manipulated for horror like <laughs> yeah. like merry-go-rounds and sure. boardwalks oh and piers, and they ruin it forever yeah yeah like you know it's just supposed to be childlike that's because <laughs> childs are inherently fucking scary too they're uh, sure. stupid and dumb and like you know just scary to, just get like a child in itself is scary right oh yeah but yeah it's it's very i think that's really dope that even something like oh the Santa Cruz Boardwalk inspired right. me to tell this horror film. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's really cool. He also said that he was going for a Night of the Living Dead sort of movie where it's discussing race without being textually about race in the way that Get Out is, like you said. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, look as a black dude, I I, I watched Us and I didn't necessarily personally like get the race element to it I don't know if that's because Get Out was so in your, in, in my face mm. you know I also know that you know like white people or non, non non people of color generally look like watch these films and be like oh yes I see it I see it <laughs> meanwhile like people of color are just like alright man whatever like you know, it's just like because we're not actively looking for it we just are living it sure. so like I didn't really you know I didn't really get much of the race element to it Because Mm. like there are, you know, there were white tethered and things like that. I know it was about a black family. I more got it. The allegory or whatever you want to call it I got was how we as a nation and and a society throw people away, Mm. you know, because I think that was an element to the film, which was we put these people down here or something like that, right? Like (laughs) something to that degree, we put them down there and like left them to live like this. And it was very, very, very interesting. So, you know, I I, I took it more of a class film than anything else.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think that this is a little more... Nebulous and a little more um, opaque than Get Out was, like you were saying, and that lets you kind of take away from it a couple of different readings, like depending on on how you look at it. To me, I definitely also saw more of a, a class thing. Um, I'll, I, I'll at the very end, I'll sort of sum up my overall take on the themes and everything. But for sure, to me, I I definitely thought there was c- kind of like a warning about the like populism issues that led to someone like trump taking power yeah everyone sort of revealing themselves in these red (laughs) red outfits people you wouldn't have expected to uh to necessarily support that cause uh yeah it was so yeah there's a a lot of different ways you can sort of interpret this movie and and i think that that is a a a beautiful thing in and all of itself
1: yeah agree that's one of the cool things about it is you can you know whereas get out was very much like a This is what you take from this. (laughs) Us is like, oh, there's a few things you can take from this, right? I think that was really
0: dope. Yeah. He said the main family are supposed to be sort of an archetypical fantasy party with a leader, a warrior, a fool, and a wizard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and he said uh, Adelaide is the leader. Yeah, this is played by Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, uh, amazing. She said that she researched uh, a lot of imposters, like war criminals, when Ooh. she was doing her uh, her her research for this. And I think that's really fascinating. And he, and Jordan said that he was really excited to have black women's hairstyles represented in lead roles for this movie. Yeah. Uh, he said that this was, as far as he could tell, the first time uh, her, that specific hairstyle was represented in this way. So he was he was excited about that which one the, the the sister locks he said oh uh, okay the one that um that actual adelaide had the when she was a tethered no the um the non-tethered or i guess well it's kind of complicated yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah Yeah. <laughs> exactly the one who, the the one one who came with.
1: above ground later yes, in the movie. yes 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 right yeah yeah probably yeah you don't get too many black women with that hairstyle on on television even and i guess it was that the case in this film as well, but because it's portrayed as, for lack of a better word, uh, unappealing. Um, and not that I think that is the not that I personally think that, but you know, is is portrayed as an unappealing hairstyle. You know, like and all the words that associate with black hair, especially black women's hair, nappy and and you know kinky and like not straight and good looking and all these things. So. Yeah, I thought it, it, it really drove that character home and made her super fucking creepy. Yeah. Just her whole look was very well done. And I thought it was really dope to have that look be front and center of the film.
0: I mean, it's an incredibly difficult role for her because not only does she have to constantly be switching back between the two looks, but she also has a difficult uh, voice differentiation. Yeah. She she said that she was taking keys from spasmodic dysphonia, which is a vocal spasm condition, and worked with an ear, nose, and throat doctor, a vocal therapist, and a dialect coach to make sure that she could do it safely, but also to create a relatability... That would play into the discomfort of the ending, where you're like, "Oh, I thought I was rooting for the good person, but maybe I wasn't the whole time." No, yeah, yeah, it's it's cool and complicated, oh. and uh, and just a really sweet ending. I like it a lot. Oh,
1: the ending fucked me up, man. The ending was <laughs> ending was because it, it, you know, you watch that whole movie. And like Us, here's another reason I really, really fucking love Us and why I really think is a top echelon of horror film. It is a movie that, and, like, and this device, it's not like Us is the first movie to use this device, but I thought it did it well. It is a movie that you watch the first time and it gets you. And, you know, all the things that you, you're, you're thinking about it and, you know, the jump scares and the, and the, you know, the moral like questions is asking and all these things. Yeah. And then the end happens and you're like oh what the fuck and you have to go watch it again and it's almost a different movie yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's almost a different fucking movie when you know the ending <laughs> like it, it's pretty yeah, fucking it wild yeah and, and when you watch it knowing like knowing what we know about the tethered you pick up on even more shit <laughs> like, yeah. in the movie oh, man, it's, it's, cool. <laughs> it's so it's so cool it's, I think that yeah. is and like I said that's not a device that is you know new or that has have been used but i thought us did it in such a way that was very interesting like us is a movie that you have to watch twice <laughs> like it is Definitely. A, and not because you can't get it the first time but because <laughs> like the 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 whole like landscape of the movie changes when you watch it the yeah. second time i think that's beautiful totally different experience yeah
0: yeah yeah the two kids, Zora and Jason, Zora is the warrior who acts before she thinks, he said, and uh, Jason is the wizard who can see through the veil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's why he's a, a little bit ahead of everyone else on these things. They're yeah. played by Shahadi Wright Joseph and Evan Alex, both fantastic. You know, it's hard enough to find tolerable kid actors much less good kid <laughs> actors yeah. <laughs> yeah and they really do a, a great job with this and of course winston duke is gabe the fool, the fool. Uh, boy he's just spectacular in this movie he's so great in it. he's great yeah. yeah
1: he's great he was funny very funny yeah I, I i also loved too, you know the fact that a black woman was the protagonist and the hero and the warrior and the leader and the black man who is a physically imposing man. <laughs> yeah. He's a big yeah, he's fucking dude. He's buff. He, typically he I mean, you know, what we know him from Black Panther, he's he is typically cast as the warrior, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that he took a backseat in this film as a character and as an actor. Yeah. Playing the warrior role where like at no point in this movie where I was like, Oh, he'll save us. i thought that was dope i thought that was yeah they they
0: do such a funny job with that too where it's like he takes charge takes the bat and then immediately gets his ass kicked yeah (laughs) his his leg gets fucked up and you're like oh he's out of the game now like how is this gonna switch things up it's really fantastic yeah And also related to uh, Jordan's use of comedy, I think it is a lot harder to get an unfunny person to deliver a joke well in a movie that isn't necessarily a comedy than it is to get a funny person to act seriously. And to this end, the Tim Heidecker role of Josh is so funny. He does such a great job with it. Of doesn't feel necessarily out of place. Yeah, but it is definitely like the comedic role of the movie. Yeah, no, I love I love both of their his character.
1: Elizabeth Moss was great in it. Oh, uh, she's great too. Yeah, just a well cast movie. Yeah, just definitely. like from top to bottom, a very well cast movie too. Which it I feel like it did not get enough credit for. Yeah, you know. So kudos. Definitely.
0: Yeah, well, we're recognizing
1: it now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah here it is. Here it is. This is this these are the flowers. These are the flowers. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he'll hear this. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never
0: know. Michael Abels also returns from Get Out to do the score. The score in this is so amazing. Yeah. It sticks with you. It is so creepy and just unnerving the entire time. I yeah. love it.
1: It is. I think that is one of the best things that Jordan Peele does for his horror movies. I'm very excited to see Nope as Mm -hmm. well. But I think the way he uses music is beautiful. Even in Get Out, the first song you hear, like when a movie starts, not the intro song. But the first song you hear is a childish gambino from Redbone. Right. And like it's a beautiful song, but like when you find out what this movie is about, that song takes even much more meaning <laughs> than the rest of the film. And in this movie, like the way it started with the <laughs> he, oh, 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 he, oh, oh. My ass sitting in the theater. I was high. My ass was sitting in the theater like, what the <laughs> fuck is? Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> yeah, it grabs you. I feel like more people are starting to try to do this shit now, which is kind of annoying because I think Jordan Peele made it popular to take a song that is not horror and make it scary <laughs> as shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, the I got five moment in this in this movie is so fantastic. It was rightfully in the trailer, but, you know, it definitely does feel like everyone sees it be used so well, and then they go, oh, well, now I got to do that, too. Yeah. And it's sort of, you go, well, the array did it so well. Why do you got to do it, too? Yeah, you got to
1: do it, too, man. <laughs> do your own thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> They also said it was super challenging to shoot because not only are they shooting out of order, but they have to then bank the dominating character in the scenes because they have to react appropriately. Because they're shooting, they everybody's playing two roles. They said that it was just really difficult to sort of remember what you did previously Mm -hmm. in order to to shoot the reverse. But Lupita also said that Jordan is really good at doing the voice of the tethered. (laughs) And so instead of having to have watch playback, uh, she could stay focused and he would just... Just sit there with the god mic and be like, "I'm I'm doing your voice. Here I am." (laughs) Yeah,
1: I love that. You know, that's it. You know, you you talked about some of the doppelganger type movies, and and I think one of the reasons why, again, this movie is the 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 crust of horror films, like the best part of horror films, is because damn near everybody in this movie had to do two roles. (laughs) Yeah, everybody, everybody (laughs) in this movie had to play two different characters. Yeah. Not just a couple people, not just the lead. Every single fucking actor who was prominent in this film played two characters. And it's such a dope thing. Like, even the two twin sisters when they had their shining <laughs> moment. And it's so cool, man. Like, I, I can't think of a movie where I've ever seen, like, in any genre where I've ever seen... The whole cast play a different cast.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's done yeah. so incredibly well. Yeah. And yeah, usually it's like a spotlight thing where they're like, oh, you got to see this amazing performance where everyone, where one person is doing two roles, like, yeah. uh, you know, Nick Cage and adaptation. It's a great performance, but imagine if also Meryl Streep <laughs> like exactly. had to do it. And, and yeah, it just makes this so much more impressive that not only is everyone Killing it for one role, but then differentiating the second role enough to also make that a quality performance, too. Yeah, Yeah. it's really special. And obviously, as soon as you start bringing evil twins into the mix, you got to start talking about duality. That's a big part of the theme of this movie. Yeah there's references to Michael Jackson with the single glove and the thriller shirt who Jordan described as the patron saint of duality. Mm. And it's even in play in the names though. All of the family names are also first names because you have the Wilsons, the Tylers and the Thomas family yeah. and even uh, the kid playing Jason, his name is Evan Alex so presumably they cast him just yeah. because he fits into just it he like fits that. into the theme. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And uh, Jordan said, everything in this movie was deliberate. That is one thing I can guarantee you, unless you didn't like something and that was a complete accident. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you could tell everything was deliberate, man. Every every aspect of this movie was deliberate and you could, you could really tell that, which I think is even down to like, if you listen to like the baseball game that's in the background. I forgot there was, oh, I wish I should, I didn't think about this until this moment, but there was something about that baseball game that i read that even like fit with the theme uh, (laughs) of the movie (laughs) right like everything was deliberate yeah i'm I'm gonna try to look it up while we're talking but and if i find it i'll let you know but like yeah it's it's really dope i mean look you know again that's not a lot of (laughs) shit is deliberate in a lot of films
0: (laughs) um Especially horror, I'm sure. But, but it's, but it's a, re- it is a remarkable attention to detail because yeah. it, it's so prevalent. You know, a lot of people, they say, Oh, I really put like had a keen eye for it. And it's like a few things here and there in this. There are homages and references and, and thematic elements that are truly peppered throughout the entirety of the movie in a way that I think is not accomplished by as many people who are, that are just like, Oh, I put deep work detail into it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed, agreed.
0: I did, like I said, uh, I'll sort of sum up my thoughts on the theme at the very end, but I did want to prime people with a couple of quotes here at the beginning. Okay. Uh, first is Jeremiah eleven eleven, which is a Bible verse that's referenced a few times that says, thus saith the Lord, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Mm-hmm. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Mm-hmm. And this was a warning to Jerusalem whose worship of false idols had brought the wrath of the Lord down on them. So, Crazy. that's the context of that Bible quote.
1: Well, look, this is per- this is perfect because you brought up that quote which is Jeremiah 11:11. 11, 11, the baseball game that I told you about, the baseball game is tied at 11-11. Oh shit. And one team is Minnesota. Minnesota's team name is the Twins everything wow. in this movie was deliberate <laughs> Dude, like everything oh, in this dang. movie was deliberate it's, it's so fucking cool that's so fucking cool man yeah that's bad. Yeah.
0: like that's one that i wouldn't notice and i was literally like keeping an eye out for for like references to 11 11 yeah it's it you you go back over and over again and you're just constantly picking up new stuff it's really fantastic in that way yeah the second quote is from jordan himself who says one of the central themes in us is that i think we can do a good job collectively of ignoring the ramifications of privilege I think it's the idea that we feel like we deserve what comes, you know, at the expense of someone else's freedom or joy. You know, the biggest disservice that we can do as a faction with a collective privilege, like the United States, is to presume that we deserve it. And it isn't luck that has us born where we're born. For us to have our privilege, someone suffers. That's where the tethered connection, I think, resonates the most, is that those who suffer and those who prosper are two sides of the same coin. You can never forget that. We need to fight for the less fortunate. Mm. So there you go. Beautiful. Yeah. Class. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's the whole class argument right there. Yep. And as the movie neared release, the anticipation grew feverish. It was rated R for language, violence, and terror, which made me laugh. You know, mission accomplished (laughs) for your horror movie. Terror is right in the rating. Yeah. And, And so folks were abuzz. And initially it was projected to make 35 to 40 million on its budget of 20 million. But by the time it actually arrived, they were like, Oh man, we should bump up this prediction to 45 to 50 million. And then it still blew that out of the water with 71 million. Beautiful. The uh, the best, excuse me, the best ever opening for a horror movie not based on existing IP. And it is the second best opening for a live action original movie ever with Avatar only beating it by six million dollars.
1: Wow. Beautiful. that's crazy. (laughs) Flowers, man. Deserves his flowers. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of that is the hype of Get Out, which I think is a beautiful thing, which I think, you know, um, like Christopher Nolan has talked about this and a lot of filmmakers have talked about this, where the movie that they want to make, they can't make first because it won't, you know, just the, the hype around it won't be as high and mm-hmm. so you make your masterpiece, right? Just, and and then you can make your next masterpiece, which is the masterpiece you've been wanting to make. Uh, it just so happens that Jordan Peele's first movie was his masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so like he could go right into his inception. you know, Christopher Nolan had to put out a few movies and put out Batman, and then he could make his inception, you know. Yeah,
0: Yeah. sitting here working my way through Memento, (laughs) trying to to get there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, ultimately it grossed uh, $255 million worldwide. So Mm. huge success, incredible, well-deserved. Huge. Positive reception critically, too, with a lot of people responding well to the out-and-out scares of us as a nice evolution from Get Out. Just a smashing success all around. Can't deny it.
1: Can't deny it, man. Can't deny it. I, you know, as far as success goes, and and I'm not one to care too much about awards. I care more about awards when it comes to black and brown performers because, you know, I think we get shut out of those categories a lot more. And it's getting a little better as I get older, but... You know, historically, we've been shut out of those categories. I thought Lupita deserved a lot more praise for her performance uh, yeah. <laughs> than she got on yeah. the award circuit, too. Because like you said, like like we both said, everybody's playing two roles, but she played both roles beautifully. Yeah. Especially Adelaide. Yeah. Like throughout that movie, the way she devolved back to her tether <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was so beautifully understated and beautifully done. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. where by the end of the movie, you see it. Oh, yeah. Like, you see it, especially when you watch it the second time, right? Yep. I thought it was one of her better roles I've ever seen her in. You know, of course, you know, the Oscar she did one was for being a slave. But, like, I thought, (laughs) (laughs) like, this was, I thought this is a really great great example of how horror, for instance, kind of like comedy, does not get the flowers it deserves when it comes to prestige performances and things like that, even though, you know, (laughs) Lupita can, you know, do everything Daniel Day-Lewis can do, but I want to see Daniel Day-Lewis do this shit. (laughs) You know, he probably could, but like, you know, you know. But he's not, he's too cowardly. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I thought it, it deserved a little bit more recognition, on the especially from the performance of her i thought she was great
0: yeah i i think i mean to your point about the sort of way that she degrades when she finally like uses the uh handcuffs to like break a neck and she just like does like a primal scream oh. and you're just like oh oh yeah this is like this is her truly regressing yeah and it is it's it's a phenomenal performance she she stands out in a movie that is so replete with great performances yeah. that that it feels like a, a remarkable achievement and yeah I think that she did have kind of an uphill battle for sure the fact that that she's a black woman and and it's the horror genre Yeah but uh but yes absolutely I think she deserved uh, every accolade she got and should have had more Agreed Agreed As far as the actual movie, let's get into that. Let's do it. Starts off with the sound of crashing waves as the following text fades in. There are thousands of miles of tunnels underneath the continental United States, abandoned subway systems, unused service routes, and deserted mine shafts. Many have no known purpose at all. And this final sentence takes an extra few seconds to hang out and kind of reinforce that class disparity, being incongruous with the American dream as a purpose, because the gulf between the haves and the have-nots continues to expand, which means that it just feels more and more ridiculous to even hold onto this American dream as a dream. And so when you don't have that, what becomes then the purpose? Yeah. A lot of references here as the actual image comes into play and all of them sort of actually have something to say about the movie the man with two brains is obviously duality so is tuesday night chud stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers Uh, the goonies is a mean family chasing the main group nightmare on elm street is linked through surrealism the glove and the burned up face of pluto and the right stuff is about the development of the u.s space program surely as representative of american idealism as anything else that i can think of hmm And the TV is promoting Hands Across America in 1986. Six million people will tether themselves together across 4,000 miles to fight hunger somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, is so funny because that meant nothing (laughs) until the last two minutes of the movie. And you got it. You got it. (laughs) You got it. You got why that was important because... You know, I don't want to jump ahead, but that's the one of the last
0: things this child saw. <laughs> like, oh yeah,
1: yeah, crazy.
0: It's so great. It's such a, a great thing to latch onto. It's Jordan also discussed in the interviews. He says that he agrees that it is sort of like a beautiful symbol but also it's really one of those things that's more about the illusion of making change and about absolving guilt as opposed to actually doing anything exactly. to fight hunger or whatever yeah so <laughs> yeah. i agreed wholeheartedly yeah yeah the commercial ends and we see a little girl in the reflection of the tv i'm not sure if anyone's made this observation but in my opinion the tv is a bit of a black mirror
1: mm-hmm.
0: i don't know if anyone's noticed that. that's interesting
1: before. i mean she. She, yeah. <laughs> she's looking at herself which is exactly yeah. what she's gonna do
0: like throughout this yeah. film yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and her family is at the santa cruz boardwalk for her birthday which is a something else she saw on tv mm-hmm. and her dad wins her a thriller shirt which is b something else she saw on tv it yeah. says
1: also shout out to her dad uh yaya oh he's that was, so good yeah. small role in this small role in this again, but so
0: fantastic so
1: fantastic such a great cast
0: yeah even again he has even less to work with in terms of ha- having to differentiate the two, the tethered and the non-tethered one. Mm-hmm. And he does such an amazing job. Such an me.
1: amazing job. That was the first <laughs> thing that freaked me out was him walking down and catonically oh, moving and shit and like the crazy smile and it, like that shit freaked that for. That was the first oh, thing that freaked me out in the movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's doing the baseball toss and he's about to do whack-a-mole, which is my personal fave. Do you have a, a favorite amusement park carnival game? Oh, that's a good question.
1: Probably the one where you, you know, I mean, I, I always like to do the ones where you throw and try to hit a target or get a baseball in a hole. I'm not successful <laughs> at those as much as I and I play baseball, too. So but probably my favorite one is the one where you have to, like, roll the ball and then like you get in, in a certain number and then oh, a little yeah, horse yeah. goes <laughs> as many as you get in. That's probably my favorite one. Yeah, uh, that's
0: a good one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Also, shout out to, of course, the water gun. Oh yeah, spraying into the little target guy. It's
1: the water, the water gun. <laughs> I do love the water gun one, but like the water gun one is easy as fuck. Like if you get enough, like if I'm an adult playing kids, I'm gonna win this. Sure. Shit. Oh yeah. Hey, good. Fuck those kids. Yeah, I can see where my hole is. <laughs> like it's just a matter of who gets to the hole first. Like so. <laughs> If I'm pointing in the direction of the hole already,
0: like it's over, it's done. Yeah, that's right, that's right, good, good. Her mom and dad are squabbling, though, and she wanders off past a guy holding the Jeremiah 1111 sign. Obviously, there's the actual meaning of the quote, but additionally, this does play into the duality aspect here as well. Two ones for 11 and two 11s for the verse. And the thriller shirt that she asked for was also number 11. <laughs> Down on the beach after she wanders away, she finds the shaman's vision quest. Find yourself, it commands. This is like the first joke in the movie when she gets scared by the like cheap owl jump mm-hmm. and god it's just so instantly relatable everyone has been walking through one of those things and been like that is bullshit i saw it coming and it's still just the I shock of it you. popping out yeah oh man yeah
1: 100 and also the voice that was playing through the speakers in mm. in that funhouse was jordan peele oh wow that was his voice yeah i didn't even
0: realize the power goes out, though, and she starts walking towards the exit sign, and she slams into the mirror, which is funny, but also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and she starts whistling the itsy-bitsy spider to calm herself down. That's a classic move. I sing the same song to myself when mm-hmm. I'm scared. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the, the real scary part is someone else finishes the song.
1: Right. Yeah
0: true nightmare (laughs) i can't imagine something worse than that (laughs) yeah
1: that is that is so scary because one of the cool things about this movie is the the promotion of it before it came out we knew like you know there's going to be two of each and all that so you know that going in so when you hear that you know what it is you know what it's supposed to be and it still freaks you out because of the way they do it, right? Because yeah. we've all been there. We all think that you're singing and you're alone, and then what if somebody <laughs> sings back to me? That shit is scary. Yeah. That is that is terror. <laughs> that is terrifying because it can happen, right? Yeah. At any given point, especially for women, oh. right? You know, for women who live alone or who are alone and things like that, and for this to happen to a little girl, yeah. Uh, oh in that
0: moment is terrifying <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying <laughs> and she backs up against another reflection but this one doesn't follow her movements and when she turns around it stays facing the other way and oh. she is rightfully terrified
1: <laughs> oh oh my god That that's again kids are fucking scared kids are creepy man like yeah, absolutely a kid being creepy is creepier than an adult being creepier sometimes <laughs> man like when that kid like reached out to choker and had those big ass eyes and Oh, that man. crazy smile and didn't turn around. I'm just like, <laughs> whoo, if there was a kid next to me when I watched it, I would have punched him in the face. Just, with, like, just
0: out of reflex. Like, fuck you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really get every phase of it, too. Because the twins, as like teenagers, when they're doing the like looking upward thing, mm-hmm. also absolutely terrifying. Teenagers are very scary as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: <laughs> but they cut to a rabbit in a cage. This is one of many, as the credits roll in a dingy lab, First of all, very Alice in Wonderland as we start to go down the rabbit hole here. Mm-hmm. But Jordan also said this is part of his examination of the middle ground of science and religion, with this as sort of a dark Easter that this uh, rebirth and martyrdom that happens here uh, uh, for for Red and Adelaide. It's it's very interesting, and and it's he he said that he views humanity as sort of the the abomination middle ground of science and religion because science uh is all about like the the tribalism that's in our dna of like my i have to take care of my family and not the one across the street necessarily because that was just how you had to survive and so that's like the science aspect but then the religion of like well be good like are we inherently good or are we inherently evil and he he views the sort of internal struggle of mankind as that middle section which i thought was interesting
1: yeah that's a what a what a Sometimes I just wish I was as smart as <laughs> as these people. And I know everybody says that to everybody they look up to, especially in entertainment. But, you know, this, this motherfucker is smart, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's crazy. To be like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to pop this out as like a rabbit symbol. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: that shit is great, man. That shit is great.
0: It also works really well as a counter to the sort of shining-esque swoop through the greenery that follows it. I think it's a really cool sort of uh, balance. Yeah. And we meet our lovely family driving to their beach house. Uh, the song that's playing is also talking about duality and being a walking contradiction. But it's a very cute scene. You know, Gabe is doing classic dorky dad stuff. Zora is trying to convince them to let her quick track and field and also drive. Uh, Jason is wearing a jaw shirt and playing with a magic trick that's supposed to, like, make a spark or something. I'm mm. not even quite sure what that thing is supposed to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's a bad trick. It'll be a bad trick. <laughs> You've setting that kid up for failure already. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Gabe says he made plans to meet their pals, Josh and Kitty at the beach though. And Addie flashes back to the aftermath of wandering off from the beach. And she's building a line of animals in the sand while a therapist tells her parents that she has PTSD. And after mom recoils from his trying to comfort her, Dad goes to have a smoke, but he stops to take a little look at Addie. The mother is putting so much blame on him in the meeting there. She's like, you let her wander away. I said I was going to the bathroom. And, you know, it just it seems like a real shit situation. To
1: be yeah, like. it seems like a shit situation, too, because like, man, you know, I mean, kids get it. Every, I think every child has gotten lost, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. even if just for says, like yeah. a couple minutes, man. <laughs> like every kid has gotten lost. Yeah
0: like not all of them get abducted by right this dude did,
1: yeah this dude didn't know his kid was abducted like leave this dude alone man like this shit happens bro he ain't know that wasn't his daughter right <laughs> his daughter was fined like shit she was down below i mean she wasn't fine but she was probably talking and shit she was she rallied them motherfuckers down <laughs>
0: Addie says she doesn't want to go to Santa Cruz, but Gabe sulks and he guilt trips her playfully. And so she finally agrees, but she says, we got to leave by dark. Yeah. And there's some more family stuff. Jason scares Zora and he hides in the closet, which he gets trapped in. Apparently not for the first time. They also bought a boat called the Crawdaddy, which when the engine dies and gabe says the guy taught me how to do this and then just like gingerly bangs on the side of the motor is so funny yeah (laughs) it's like oh he taught you how to smack the side of a motor
1: okay (laughs) (laughs) hit it right here just like about three four times with this much force yeah
0: They drive to the beach. This is when the I Got Five on it scene plays. It's amazing. It does such a great job of summing up the family dynamic, I think. It's very sweet and fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it
1: is is very sweet and fun and funny. On second watch when I watched it, even heard like... Hey, you know, do it like this, snap like this, I'm like, girl, yeah. you ain't on rhythm either. Like, what the <laughs> fuck you talking? <laughs> Which you know, when I first watched it, I was just like, oh, I guess, but like watching it the second time, I get it. It's like, oh yeah, because you don't, you not really, like you know, <laughs> like I'm sure there's a lot of shit that you do that's
0: kind of off you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah as they get to the beach there's a dead guy being loaded into an ambulance on the way and addie has sort of been dissociating already but this mounts uh, as as reminders of her traumatic experience continue to escalate And I love the overhead shot of the beach, where you see that it's just footprints in every direction. It's totally messed up. It just looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And also, the Shaman's Vision Quest has been changed to Merlin's Vision Quest Mm -hmm. in an update for the Times. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And we join the other family. Both Josh and Kitty are drinking, which is a fine thing to do at the beach, in my opinion. But also, you could read into it if you felt so inclined as a form of escapism. She's also gotten plastic surgery for maintenance and they both use antagonism as a way to be like hey we're all buddies here like just like digging in at people not always fun
1: (laughs) no no not always the dynamic the dynamic between the four of them was very realistic yeah you know as far as like i really don't like these motherfuckers but (laughs) i guess we friends with them right like yeah. yeah especially as you get older and you start having couple like relationship friends and shit (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i think i mean you can really see it in the kids too it's so funny like when Zora fights the evil twins and you're like, it feels like she's been waiting to do been this, waiting for to a do this while. shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: she's been waiting to she has been waiting to kick these white girls' asses. <laughs> you
0: know how it is when there's uh you, your parents are friends and you're like, I don't really even like this person. Yeah. I, like, like, I don't want
1: to share my shit with them.
0: <laughs> I'm playing NBA Live, man. I don't wanna yeah. I'm playing
1: the computer. I don't wanna play with this motherfucker. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lindsay and Becca, though, are Josh and Kitty's kids. They're also annoying and mean. Uh, also, one of them was wearing a black flag shirt, which so was the carnival guy when Addie wandered away. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that was a purpose. I mean, like he said, everything is very deliberate. I'm sure it was a purposeful connection as oh, just yeah. like a reminder of the night. Didn't we all peek at 14, says Kitty, as Jason <laughs> wanders away to the bathroom? A very grim sentence. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I hope not, nah, man. I hope not. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> He uh, he gets distracted on the way back, though, by a guy soaking up the sun who looks just like the man that was ambulanced away, except he's got blood on his hands and he's wearing red pants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Addie freaks out when she can't find Jason, but they are quickly reunited and they head home. Gabe grumbles about Josh's new car, stealing the thunder of his boat. Again, this sort of arms race of material goods and the false idols referenced by the Bible verse. And how about that? Jason points out that it's 11-11 when Addy says goodnight to him.
1: Yep. You know, the whole first third of this movie before, you know, shit hits the fan has so many points to, like, point you in the direction of where this movie is going and what's happening yeah. and things like that. Even Adelaide just saying, like, something just feels off. Like, something yeah. feels weird. Something feels off. Like, she could feel it. She could feel it in her. I think one of the great things about this movie is... Again, this is jumping to the end, kind of, with the reveal. But, you know, how she just kind of forgot. Yeah. She just forgot.
0: Block it out. I don't want to think about that shit.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) and it really makes you ask the question, you know, between the tethered and the real people or the people up above, whatever you want to call them. Do you forget or is it just like it becomes not a part of you anymore? Right. Right. I don't know. I I don't. It's it's a very interesting question that I haven't even answered for myself. Like as I've watched the movie and thought about it and things like that. And I don't think you have to have an answer to be honest. Right. But yeah, like that whole first third in the movie was pretty great.
0: Definitely. And this is this is where she tells the story of the boardwalk. First off, I think it's amazing and creepy and thematic to have the reflection in the window actually be what we see telling the story. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But. Also, you know, this is when we see the little girl super, super scary. <laughs> like, yeah. When she go- reaches out for her and chokes her. And yeah, she says she Oof. feels like this little girl is coming for her, and the coincidences have been piling up, and the, the, the lights go out, and she lets out a little yelp. That's really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just a great, great scene.
1: Yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, she felt, like you said, she felt the little girl was coming for her because she was. uh, She was, girl. (laughs) She was on her way. That's right. But yeah. She's right there. And, you know, we knew it was coming, too, uh, which is why I thought the first third, like, of the movie was so lighthearted. I mean, it had his jumps and it had his, you know, the shit. It was setting up the story, obviously. Sure. But it also had, like, a nice little lightheartedness, too. And I thought Winston Duke did a great job with with that being that lighthearted part of the movie that we needed. So when the shit hit the fan, (laughs) it was even more of a gut punch.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they both get scared by Jason, who says, there's a family in our driveway. (laughs) uh, To which Gabe retorts, there is not a family in our driveway. Which leads to a very funny editing joke as they hard cut to the family in the driveway. Yeah
1: yeah <laughs> which is one one of the things that I love about the way they were also like lined up was they were lined up like uh those little like bumper stickers or stickers that goes in the yes. back of like cars of like the family of four <laughs> That's how they it's, were lined it's so up funny. yeah yeah, which in itself is a doppelganger of the family in the car, you oh, know. Shit. Yeah.
0: Oh, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they literally have one of those stickers on their car. It oh, also yeah, kind of looks like um the the red paper people yep. that she makes when uh, when she's cutting stuff up. So yeah, a lot of really cool sort of uh, allusion to stuff there. And they are very scary out there just standing there in the dark. <laughs> why, yeah. why are you doing that? <laughs> oh, like that is
1: one that that is a horror device that I think is so so well done is the perfect stillness yeah. when something is like perfectly still, and then like he's talking and shit they're still still there's st- they are remaining still and when she like signals them they all go off in like such a quick deliberate fast way and oh. it's just like oh shit <laughs> like, it, it really fucks you up
0: it's really scary and sh- it's such a like planned perfectly clearly because yeah. it was one little click and they they all go in their different directions yeah the the boogie mom is standing there and boogie dad strides towards the uh towards the door and everyone's at, like sort of bunkers down but it doesn't it doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really matter <laughs> Because no. they gain entrance pretty quickly through one fashion or another, the the dad kind of Michael Myers is in the door, and they all quickly realize that this is their mirror image, that each one of them is reflected in the other family.
1: Yeah, is one of the one of my favorite things is when something happens in the trailer and it still hits in the movie. <laughs> uh, because when little boy, when Jason was just like. It's us. (laughs) Like, that that was in the trailer, but like, it's still. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It has to be, right? but in the movie it still fucking hit (laughs) like when he said it he was just like god damn it is (laughs) y'all like
0: it still hit really well which i think is really dope yeah the mom is also the leader of their family she's bearing a set of gold scissors which again is more duality imagery with that it's got the two opposite facing holes at the top but of course a scissor is designed to split things in two that's its very
1: purpose Mm -hmm. and when it's not doing that it is one (laughs) Yeah, yeah
0: they all sit across from each other in the living room and the mirror mom begins speaking in a raspy voice distorted from disuse and she explains that everyone has a shadow a tethered person whose life reflects the other so when Addie married gabe red married abraham it didn't matter that they weren't in love because he was tethered to her prince and uh, Abraham, of course, the name plays into the big emancipating patriarch in uh, Judeo-Christian religion. So, yeah. yeah. We also get Umbre, who was a little monster born laughing. This friggin, she's so scary. Joker mode over here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, she was scary, man. She was probably yeah. the most scary one because she was oh, fast. Yeah, and and constant
0: smiling. Oh, constant oh yeah. And smiling. she's fast as hell. Yeah. yeah. And just, just creepy. She, she
1: was a monster.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Pluto was born to love fire, mm-hmm. and Red had to take him out via self c section, which I'm going to say it sounds like a bad time. Yeah. You know, like all the shit she had
1: to go through. Yeah, you know, I'll come back up and try to kick your ass, too. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be mad, bro. I'm Who not could deny lie. it? I'd Who could mad. deny it? I'd be mad as fuck, man. I'd be down there the whole time plotting. like that's the the thing man that's one of the beautiful things of the movie is like it completely like flips who you root for in a way right but yeah you still root for adelaide like even upon second watch but it like it's kind of like there is no antagonist
0: in this movie right (laughs) oh absolutely yeah even even when you're like examining that you also have to be like well did she deserve to be like down in the tunnels wow exactly no <laughs> right. you fucking so, star life <laughs>
1: exactly exactly but then it's, like, it's, it, do all them deserve to be down there no exactly like, yeah it's it's, uh. it's,
0: it's it's yeah yeah and she says she hated the girl for so long but then realized it was a test from god mm. and who what are you people asks gabe and we're americans says red <laughs> oh man <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a great line <laughs> so good what a great
0: line oh uh. Addie handcuffs herself to the table at Red's demand, and Abraham steals Gabe's glasses, which I thought was a funny moment. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I can see now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he drags him outside. Zora makes a break for it, but Umbre is hot on her heels, and Jason and Pluto go off to play together, and Red says, don't burn our house down, and then probably does the worst laugh of all time. (laughs) 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 Truly terrifying. Yeah. Inside the closet, Pluto unveils his burned face and he and Jason do like a mirror game kind of thing. And it's interesting because Jordan talks about this seeing through the veil that makes Jason the whiz or whatever, the wizard. And he says that this sort of reflects that seeing through the veil, that this is a more intimate, synchronicity he says that they're doing here and and his understanding of of sort of the situation they're in
1: well yeah i think that was the moment where he realized like oh this isn't just a mirror game he is doing what i'm doing right compelled he is compelled to do what i do like you he could feel it you know he could feel it and you know, just beautiful imagery. And like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm an actor and I'm, I'm a performer. I want people listening to this to realize how hard that is. Cause, <laughs> you know, this isn't any shock, but they weren't in a scene together. So, <laughs> like, so, you know, so to do that in that mirror way, like that, and this is a child, that kid yeah. had to mimic himself at different points of the day. And probably not even on the same day. <laughs> right, right. Like, as an actor. and now he's, he's wearing to, masks and, and stuff. Masks, like... And he has to mimic that perfectly for them to edit together. Oh, man. That is extremely difficult to do. As an actor, especially when you have to keep doing it and repeating it and <laughs> yeah. things like that. And then, like, it has to be perfect because if you don't get it perfect on the shoot day, the edit ain't gonna look as good. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. It's really, so just, like, kudos to to the performance there and, you know, throughout the whole movie. Absolutely.
0: Zora gets trapped near a car but gets saved by a guy who's pissed that Umbre is standing on on his car yeah. and he distracts her by getting stabbed. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you
1: know, look, he was right. Get the fuck off my car. He just, you know, know, you know, like
0: I said, man, nobody's wrong in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) When his tethered showed up, he was probably like, well, that was easy. Yeah. His tethered tethered just
1: like, it just clicked from like, well, I
0: guess I'll go hold hands up. (laughs) Nothing to do. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jason and Gabe both get the leg up on their opposite, although Gabe more so than Jason, since Pluto just gets briefly locked in the closet while Abe gets brutally motorboat propelled to death. <laughs> Yeah. And Red tells Addy about how they've been planning this untethering, but Pluto's cries at being locked in the closet forces Red to stop shoving Addy's face through the glass table momentarily. This is another moment that really just looks fantastic. Of course, there's another reflection here that looks like someone breaking through kind of another dimension, like the doubles in the Twilight Zone episode that he's referencing. It's just a really beautiful shot. Uh, It looks fantastic
1: i will say one thing about this movie and uh, i haven't said yet it's a really beautifully shot film definitely even to the point of adelaide costume getting redder and redder throughout the film <laughs> <laughs> you know like to the, like she's very clean and upkept in the beginning and by the end she's all you know she's almost wearing a red suit jumpsuit just like red um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you know through blood and shit so I think, like, it was just a really beautifully made film as well, which you don't get a lot in horror. I mean, maybe you do. You know, let me not say that. But, like, in the horrors that I've seen, you don't get that as much as you do. It's
0: not always the priority. It's
1: not always the priority. How is this movie going to look? You know. Uh it's not always the priority, and I think it was really well done in this one.
0: I mean, even to that point, sometimes people are specifically going for like that grimy grindhouse look, and it, yeah. it really depends on the movie, you know. And I think that this does really benefits from the way it looks and that it is so deliberate. You know, like I, I like I said, he was going every every inch of this is so detailed that if it was grimy and, and hard to look at. You don't get to pick up on those things. Yeah. Addie frees herself by breaking the bit of the table that she's cuffed to with the fire iron, and she runs with Jason, meeting Zora in the driveway, and they get down to the docks where Gabe picks them up. Meanwhile, at the Tyler home, (laughs) Kitty heard something outside, and she wants Josh to take a look. And (laughs) this is so funny. First of all, the whole scene is really fantastic, but also- Specifically, she says she thinks she heard the backup generator go on, which is funny because the tethered cut their power, but it didn't do anything to them, which is exactly what Gabe was griping about when he's like their power goes out and he goes, oh, man, the Tylers have a backup generator.
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: <laughs> such a perfect perfect callback to just a, a throwaway line a few moments ago yeah really great stuff they are swiftly dispatched by their tethered though while good vibrations plays which is a really fun scene very fun scene very fun song to die to oh, uh yeah, changes <laughs> to uh fuck yeah, the police after exactly tethered josh pranks the shit out of kitty with the too slow god brutal
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that out, was Ooh. very funny like, Ooh. <laughs> 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 Which is so funny because, like, his you know the up above person, like those are the type of jokes that he tells, but just in like a douchey way, and, you know, yeah. where the oh too slow is just kind of <laughs> like really, dude, really that's what we doing. So it's a perfect. It was a perfect. What's the word I'm looking for? It was the perfect uh,
0: commentary on the type of person that he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, it's a it's a great moment. Yeah. And Addie arrives to uh, ask for help, but quickly realizes that it's not actually Josh, and she hits him with the iron, too, but he has no reaction, <laughs> and the rest of his family grabs her while he chases Gabe back to the docks. Also, while Gabe's got the crawdaddy, Josh's boat is the biatch. <laughs> with yacht, obviously. There, very, yeah, word, yes. very funny. Oh, very funny. Jason and Zora make their way inside after their mom. Thought it was very cute when he like pulls down his mask and growls to make himself feel brave. Yeah, I was like yeah, buddy, go for yeah, it. Yeah, go
1: for it, man. Go
0: for it, bro. <laughs> Zora though fucks up the twins, and like I said, it feels like there was some resentment there. But Bad Kitty is putting on makeup while dreamy music plays, and i i just this is such a love this fucking
1: scene yeah
0: oh man with the blood still on her face while she's like pretending to laugh yeah and then it escalates when you're like you're laughing at that and then she starts like cutting her face yeah as a reflection of like the surgery that she would get and the dissatisfaction yeah it's a really quick pivot i think into being scary (laughs) it was to me yes it was very scary and it's also
1: heartbreaking. I thought like that yes. was a heart. I thought that was the first instance of heartbreak for these people because like she's smiling, she's like she's putting the makeup on. It's like oh my gosh, this is how beautiful I'm supposed to look, you know, with all these yeah. surgeries I was forced to get, and then and like right. made her mad, and like she started cutting herself because that was her experience. So she also is gonna make this, fa- you know, in this world she wants to get more fucked up, and like it was just so. It was really heartbreaking because it was, you know, it really was. It was one of the first times that that I really like got. Oh, they really have no choice, and they're also living the worst version of it. Like their (laughs) makeup isn't as nice as ours, or you know, their food ain't as good as ours. They eating rabbits, and we up here eating chicken. You know, rabbit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you know. So I thought, you know, and Elizabeth Moss was the perfect person to do that because she plays beautifully heartbreaking very well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and and she really, I think it, I think to me it feels like a reflection of the relationship that the Tyler's had. Yeah, but they feel particularly unhinged. You know, when she looks out the window and sees Gabe taking out Bad Josh, mm-hmm. and she starts screaming and laughing like kind of in equal measure. Yeah, she it just really feels like uh, a bad, bad complicated relationship.
1: Because I think I think to me that moment indicates that the above people, the above Tyler's don't really like each other right right but so the below tyler's probably really do love each other (laughs) (laughs) like they probably and so like she was feeling both of those she was feeling and 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 with red you know coming up above and we started to see she started to take on more of the above like tendencies and feelings and almost forgot like i thought that moment was a moment where you saw that the that that infighting in her like show forward like she loves this dude and he's killing her husband but up above she kind of doesn't like him so this is kind of nice for her to see (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was really i thought it was such a i I just really small role but such a good fucking character that jordan wrote and such a great performance that elizabeth moss gave
0: absolutely yeah Yeah, she she does a great job. And Zora goes to smash Kitty with her golf club, but is spotted in the reflection and is stopped. Kitty's about to stab out her eye when Jason comes to the rescue and he brains Kitty with a geode.
1: Yeah, fuck Zora.
0: Yeah, he sure does. Our main family is reunited, but the 911 line is busy, so they check the news, and they see that this is happening all over. They came from the sewers, and they're just holding hands in a human chain. It's so funny when it's revealed that they're just watching TV gathered around one of the bodies of the twins when it, like, zooms out a little bit and reveals that. And she's just like slumped in the coffee table (laughs) oh man great moment yeah but they start to argue about next steps and adelaide takes charge saying they need to flee in the car since they think like them but when she goes to get the keys the body that they were gathered around is missing (laughs) classic horror (laughs) then she attacks adelaide who stabs her with one of her own scissors just as jason walks in and sees and again this sort of plays into the ending where all of these moments where, like, he sees her be scary and vicious, like, mm-hmm. you're like, is is this her undergroundness, tetheredness coming out? Does mm-hmm. he know this? Like, it's it's just these breadcrumbs that mean so much more afterward. Yeah, this is also another nice moment to breathe as they argue about who has the highest kill count. But then mm-hmm. this gets <laughs> this gets interrupted when the headlights reveal Umbre is back. She attacks them in the car and Zora throws her with the car. But Adelaide knows you can't just assume she's dead. Very smart. Yeah. Always got to check.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adelaide, I, this moment reminds <laughs> This moment reminded me of uh, Halloween H2O, Halloween 20, when at the end of that movie, when Michael Myers is stuck between the tree and the car and shit. And (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis is like, now I got to make sure and chops his fucking head off. Yeah. Even though he came back like a year later. Uh, But like, yeah, he reaches (laughs) out. Um <laughs> like this like that this this little part gave that vibes to me. Um it was Definitely. much more well done in us than it was <laughs> in Halloween 2000. A controversial opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, she does find Umbre twisted and broken in a tree and they really linger on it. Again, I think sort of to let let you sort of feel the heartbreak where it's like well she's compelled to do this like she she doesn't really have a ton of options she's had a a horrible life up to this point and the smile finally like fades from her face as she's just laying there in the tree it's a really intense moment i
1: also think for adelaide too and maybe this is just me but this is a moment where this is her daughter yeah That's her daughter up there, right? Right. And it may be the tethered daughter, but it's still her daughter's face. It's still her daughter. And as we find out, it's also, she tethered just like you. You know, like, you know, so like, there, I thought, you know, I thought there was a lot of heaviness in that moment where Adelaide, you know, really felt for ombre. And I thought that was a really cute, just five second mother-daughter connection that has so many layers onto
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. They drive through the night to the Santa Cruz beach and they find their car aflame with Pluto in front of it. It was a trap and he's going to blow up the car. So Jason uses their tetheredness to back Pluto up into the fire And, again, this is playing into that religion stuff that Jordan was talking about as far as, like, the Dark Easter. He is in a crucifixion pose as he backs up, and he's martyred for Red's cause because the backing up leaves Jason right to her hiding spot so that she can abduct him. And there's a real, like, coldness there that is interesting, that she's willing to sacrifice Pluto in order to get this revenge. Clearly, she knew what would happen if she was ready for jason to back up and and be within grabbing position
1: yeah i I think the reason for that is almost the opposite of what i just said about adelaide (laughs) she don't give a fuck about these kids right like you know these ain't her kids she didn't she didn't choose to have these kids she didn't choose to marry you know her husband like this was all forced upon her she didn't choose this life so to her like these people are just amaze. even though it came out of her body like she's very detached from yeah. emotional connection with these people because she's not one of them right <laughs> like, you i know? think
0: that's so interesting too because uh, ostensibly the people who came from above are supposed to be like the good ones right and and for her to have st- Spoiler alert, we're gonna just, it's, we're getting there. So I'm just gonna talk about it. She starts off as the little girl from above, and for her to be so much more callous and unfeeling when she goes below, you know, there is a, like a little bit of this like nature versus nurture yeah. argument happening here, where it's like, is it just being raised in this awful environment that makes them the evil version instead of like uh uh, if everyone was up above maybe there would just be twins and there would be no evil good (laughs) maybe but here's the thing the rest of them ain't like sacrificing each other
1: and like you know we saw elizabeth moss character you know the tethered part of her kind of be sad are
0: they the better people
1: (laughs) yeah like be sad that her husband was getting murdered and the two twins they were fine with each other you know so like i i think yeah you know the fact that she was from above that was her nature, but her nurture has left her devoid of the emotion emotional connection to these yeah. to the tether that like the other tethered probably have for each other definitely, yeah, so interesting, man, so great,
0: definitely, yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating and and yeah, it, not only watching it multiple times, but it really is the kind of movie that you just like sit with and think about, yeah <laughs> like... yeah, agreed, agreed. Now, it looks amazing as Adelaide just like wanders around looking for Jason and there's just bodies everywhere. This is a really like upsetting moment. It's very much like the birds, the Alfred Hitchcock movie where, you know, it's daylight. And so that's kind of atypical for them to draw horror from, but to just have corpses lying everywhere is really scary. Yeah. And uh, she sees the line of people in red stretching out into the ocean and <laughs> she enters <Right>. the forest. <laughs> and that same damn owl pops out and she smashes it. Very very funny <laughs> callback. <laughs> yeah. Very funny callback especially since that
1: owl didn't scare her. Oh my <laughs> like god, you're right. Movie. Uh, she just, j- she just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it scared us, but it did.
0: She doesn't remember That's that. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, wow, I
0: didn't even think about that. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> but she finds a hidden door from which ta-da emerges a bunny. And this leads to the underground facility, the one we saw at the very beginning, and Red, but we can't find Jason. Yeah. Adelaide confronts her, and Red gives her the speech about how nice it must have been to grow up above and how they took it for granted that humans built this place and figured out how to copy the human body but not the soul, which tethered both, and Big Brother or whatever made this, wanted to control everyone using the tethered, but gave up and abandoned it. And they all went mad down here, says Red. But she and Addie were special. God led them together, she says, as they pass the guy with the Bible verse again, you Mm -hmm. know, they, they, he has it on his head and it's, it's all fucked up, but she didn't get to go with her. It call, it flashes back to when. She got abducted as a kid and she says that she went up there to like be like, hi, we're together. Isn't that crazy? And then she said, I'm scared of you. And so she reached, she got upset, choked her out and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring you down here and we're going to switch. And we see it. We see it all. She became obsessed with, with not just killing her, but making a statement that it's our time up there. She says, Mm -hmm.
1: mm hmm. It's very interesting too, because, you know, this is a little girl. And, you know, like a lot of the things that it's funny because, like, the little girl up above, you know, was a ballerina and dancing and things like that. But Mm. Red was kind of the better mover. She was more graceful because she has, you know, even though they're tethered, she had, like, I I brought this point up earlier and this is an example of that. How when she was like, you're supposed to be on rhythm like this. And I was like, you ain't on rhythm. (laughs) Uh, well, at the yeah. end, like, who's the more graceful between them? is Red. Exactly. Like, it's where, definitely Red. Where we saw Yaya's character in the beginning, like, his tethered was more catonic and more just, like, not graceful and not, like. Right. And so, you know, that's the reason why, like, she was forced to do all these things, but she's the human of the two. Yeah. And so she's more graceful. She's stronger. She's smarter. She's, like, all these <laughs> things that, you know, the other tethers aren't. And she's a kid and like if i got kidnapped or whatever as a kid my sole purpose is just gonna get home this kid started realizing like the oh it's fucked up how we live down here oh this is bad oh this is not right like she started thinking of the social and class aspects of it as well and like put them all together and it's really a beautiful thing when you think about the fact that
0: she got abducted as essentially like a six-year-old right (laughs) you know Oh, man, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. And there is some shots of it, like this relationship of their sort of peeking at the dance recital, the the ballet recital that they do. Mm-hmm. And some of the background of this, it's not totally communicated through the movie, but in the interviews and the deleted scenes, actually, they talk about how this dance is a pas de deux, <laughs> which mm. is a dance typically done as a duet, but she changed it and made it a solo. Interesting. Right, but the partner downstairs is secretly doing it with her. Yeah. So it's not actually a solo. It is a duet. Right. And, and this is discussed in a deleted scene at the beach, which leads into Kitty saying that she could have been a movie star. So that's sort of where that fits in. Wow. Yeah. It's a cool, cool moment. I kind of wish that it had still, still, <laughs> still been, been in included. It. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But they do fight and Red kicks Addie's ass and she's enraged and Red is calm, which again sort of feels like the sort of tethered human relationship. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is one moment for everything to change though because adelaide impales red on this uh this fire iron and they collapse together and this is where Addie finishes her off by snapping her neck and it's a clear reversal here as red whistles itsy bitsy spider to herself to calm herself down like both kids whistled meanwhile adelaide is all grunts and acting like the tethered were
1: yeah i i kind of took a little bit of a different take on the the whistling of the itsy bitsy spider Again, on second watch, not on first watch. Mm. But on second watch, when she starts to do it, and the look in her face, I think that that was a moment where Red was saying to Adelaide, "You're not who you think you are." <laughs> mm. <laughs> like you know, like interesting. I'm the. Remember this. Remember yeah. this. Remember cool. I started this. I started <laughs> this. I started this verse of Itsy Bitsy Spider. You remember yeah. when you finished it? Like I think that was her. Like. Which is why like everything like snapped like back into place when she got Uh to the car because it was that I think that was the moment that was supposed to say remember right oh, wow that's so cool. that's what yeah. i took from that like upon second watch was red saying you're not who you think you are uh sure. <laughs> um, and one then last little twist of the knife one say, last little uh, twist of the
0: knife yeah uh, now who knows if that's the actual case but sure. that was my take that's cool as hell i'm into that for sure yeah adelaide does find jason in a locker and she promises him they're all gone now but he still looks terrified everything's gonna be like it was before she says kind of desperately and holds up a blood-soaked hand to try and comfort him yeah <laughs> Is, that's that's not helpful mom sorry <laughs> no not helpful at all and is
1: everything gonna be okay like right the rest of these <laughs> motherfuckers are up here <laughs> well, y'all about to be yeah. the only unt you got to move maybe it's just america y'all about to be the only untethered people <laughs>
0: yeah. unbelievable uh, yeah they all escape though in ambulance number 1111 which is 1111 of course and they look dazed And the final twist is revealed as Jason stares at Adelaide in fear that in the 15 minutes she was gone as a kid, the tethered girl had actually switched positions with her, handcuffed her to a bed downstairs, and headed up to become the one in the sun. And of course, it all clicks into place. This explains why Red can talk. It explains the obsession with hands across America. And it also explains why Addie is so desperate to cling to her piece of paradise. She had to scramble since she was a kid yep. and knew that there would be someone coming back for her yeah. and so she had to say i am going to defend what's mine with every ounce of my being yeah she not only does she know that
1: but a couple things one before i forget when she kills red just that scream she lets out Ugh. and if you go back and watch even her face is kind of just kind of like she's not even like she's not there She's not there. It's not just a scream like her face is kind of (laughs) her eyes are crossed and like she is very carnal and feral in that moment. And like, wow, just wow. (laughs) Um, But yeah, to the point you made, she's been scrabbling her whole life and she knew something was good. She knew like this could come back. Eventually that became a subconscious slice of knowledge because she forgot. Yeah. She forgot. She forgot who she was. She 100% forgot that she switched places. She thought this was my life. This is my life. And it always has been. And it it wasn't until that final moment where she realized, like, I got away with it. Like, it all snapped back. And then Jason looking at her and just looking and just saying, I I saw what you did down there. And, like, I I, and, you know, him being the wizard and seeing behind the veil and he yeah. gets it, and you know he gets it. And oh, he just yeah. kind of has he to live with He saw her stab the
0: twin and everything.
1: Yeah, and he just has oh, to man. live with it kind of, right? And, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's really fucked up. It's, it's really so fucked, fucked, up, fucked up, and ter- up. It's terrifying.
0: It is truly terrifying, like this ordeal. It's so interesting because it's, it's like a contradictory truths kind of thing. Where it's yeah. like, on the one hand, he's like, this is the mom that i have known my whole life yeah. like that is his mom <laughs> but his mom. but to to have his entire viewpoint of her entirely pulled out from under him is is now the relationship can it ever get back to the way it was i mm-hmm. think is the question and uh but who knows who knows what the answer is yeah and the funny thing is
1: too like when she looks at him and then gives with a smile i think she knows he knows yeah oh yeah i think so too <laughs> like i think she knows he knows <laughs> and it's like gonna be their little secret or 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 what i don't i truly don't know who knows like is yeah. she gonna is she gonna be the leader of the tether because she technically is one of them you mm-hmm. know like wow. like is will her being back around these people that she wasn't around for you know the past 30 something years will it like spark something i you know who knows right yeah but damn wow Damn. just a just a great movie man just truly <laughs> when you add everything up to it and when you think of like a horror movie and how it's supposed to scare you like was there a whole bunch of screaming and you know crazy big ass jump scares and things like that no but like the basis of the movie and the things that it was asking us and the things that it was telling us and just the story of it <laughs> is yeah. terrifying um, absolutely terrifying. Yeah, because I totally agree. You know, it's one of those things that is like you know, like Jason will never happen. Michael Myers will never happen. In and, and the grand scheme of things, like this shit will never happen. <laughs> right. But it is unlike the Jasons and unlike the Michael Myers or movies like that. It is something that is like, but could it? Hmm? Because like. <laughs> You know you're my, you know how much shit our country or our government doesn't tell us or like uh, you know so much. <laughs> it plays off of that. It played off right. of that. Like it plays off of that. You don't know everything you think you know, and like yeah. it, which is funny because we all know that. We know we don't know everything, <laughs> <laughs> like, right? So even though like something like this couldn't happen, when you really get down to the nitty gritty of like. But if it was to happen, this could be the fucked up version of that. <laughs> and,
0: oh, yeah. And it makes oh, it yeah. even more
1: terrifying.
0: Absolutely, it does. And it just closes out with the reversal of before where we looked at the greenery. But now there is a chain of the tethered yeah. stretching across the country. Uh, like I said, it might be a pointless gesture. But it also does kind of make you say, oh, they have the numbers to really be scary.
1: Of course. <laughs> of course. With, with Minnie Rippleton playing behind it. Just <laughs>
0: oh yeah i'm just like oh i walked out of that movie just like what the (laughs) fuck (laughs) absolutely and uh before we get into our our final thoughts i figured i would i would give my final interpretation as promised which is like i said i thought it was kind of a class warning about what led to trump taking power because us it's the the letters u.s united states Mm -hmm. and a bunch of sort of lower class were created by incompetent government. They were covetous of the liberal elites who were ostensibly exactly the same as them, but when imitation doesn't work, they instead revolt, in quotes, and reveal themselves wearing red and committing acts of violence, but at the end, their big plan is to build a performative wall that doesn't actually do anything, and, you know, when they finally quell a little bit of this, this issue, they say, oh, wow, we survived this hellscape, but actually there's still one hidden in their midst it could spring up again at any time Mm -hmm. and it's the kind of thing you just need to be cognizant of i think (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a
0: beautiful and very true
1: point <laughs> um, and 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 take on on the whole thing. And um, you know, it is it is the age old qu- isn't well, not the age old. Well, yeah, probably the age old question is just like if what you have is so important to you that you don't care about those who don't. Like at some point, man, like they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna eat you. It's gonna eat you, man. Like you can only go so long without. You can only go so long without right, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can only go so long without. And as a society, the portion of society that has without can only go so long, right? Before you start to see the uprising, yeah, on both sides, you know, like you said, that's what
0: led to Trump, right. Right, people thought he was fighting for the little guy. I certainly. Let me first off say I do not agree. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the so many people who were like, "Oh, I'm not a Republican, but I'm voting for Trump because he keeps it real, and I'm and and he's fighting for me a, as like a small business owner or whatever in a way that that the other Republican elites do not. Yeah, you know, they are they're tricked by him in this way, and and they say, "Okay, well." If, if this isn't doing anything, then, then we have to revolt. We have to rise up and, and we have to take what's ours in, in, in this way. It's just, it's a very scary situation that's, that's presented in the movie because it does feel like it is, she literally says mask off to Jason Mm -hmm. at one point. And the idea of these people being just able to like blend in and be like, I don't know who would vote for Trump because it's not necessarily as cut and dry as people might think is, is, is frightening. It's frightening. Yeah, it is. But That's all to say that this is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made. It it touches on a lot of real stuff. And now, Jacques, I am going to let you start us off with your summary of why this is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I've kind of been alluding to everything I could possibly say (laughs) throughout the whole pod, but I I, I really think, you know, so like when we think of horror movies, it is about like scaring us or gore or just things that we don't want to be comfortable with, right? Or we shouldn't be comfortable with. Like, even if you like it, like that is the basis of horror. It is. I am horrified if... Something like this could happen because if you're not, mm-hmm. then it's not horror. <laughs> like, you know if you're not horrified that's something something like that if you're not horrified of seeing somebody getting stabbed through the eyes with a pitchfork, then maybe it's not horror to you, but I think you're just more sure. fucked up but because that is horrific. <laughs> that's horrific, right? Right, right right right. And when you think of it like that, which is how I think of horror, this movie is probably one of the most terrifying things that could happen. Every aspect of it. not just, like, So let's look at just the basis of the movie. There are tethered versions of us underground who are living and are going to take over our lives and kill us that is terrifying yeah. yeah there are the tethered the way they live as somebody who has compassion for you know other people the way they live and like the the lack of free will they have and the lack of food and the lack of just like comfort and and everything that we take for granted is terrifying <laughs> like that is terrifying <laughs> the fact that you know somebody coming for you is terrifying the fact of all these facades like the facade between like the two families and having to like each other like I hate right. that shit we hate that shit <laughs> like it's crazy it's yeah. I don't, nobody wants to do that you just have to because that's what society has told us we have to live right yeah and so that's terrifying and then even get into the part of Adelaide and Red and like the fact that like they switched and, all, and like she this person who knows what it's like to be up above none of them knows what it's like to be up above she does her life was taken from her. That is terrifying. And then Adelaide, her life was not, was never her choice. And then she like, she made it. (laughs) (laughs) She made it. Like the way she did it was fucked up. But like, like she got out and she lived a life right that should be something to celebrate it. but the fact that it's not is terrifying like everything about this movie to me was terrifying in a right. way that if you're faced with it it would likely be the worst day of your life <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like it would like every portion of the movie like i watched the shining and like yeah the shining is scary and cool and like that shit happens and like the blood and all that stuff but you know there's a part of the movie where they was just standing in a nice ass house that's that's cool <laughs> That's cool. That's nice. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like, was on vacation. This nigga's trying to write a book. Like, that's dope. Good for you. Like, you know, like you, you, your past life was living opulent and shit. Like, you know, like, so, and I'm like, I'm being facetious in a way, but like, you know, there are parts of a lot of horror films where the circumstances of what's happening in front of you is what's terrifying. Right. Whereas in this movie with us, the circumstances of what you're faced with is what's terrifying about this movie. So I think, uh, and, and then when you add in how beautiful it is, when you add in the score, when you add in everything that's deliberate with it, when you add in like the the questions of class that is asking you, for some people race and things like that, whatever. When you add all those things in, um, nothing in it feels cheap. Yeah. Nothing in it feels unearned. Nothing in it feels like it is... Um, there for the sake of being there and mm-hmm. i think when you add all that together i can't think of many more horror movies especially modern especially mainstream you know i think that's a fair thing to to think that are better
0: can't think of many sure yeah, absolutely to me this is the best horror movie ever made because it is just achieving excellence on so many levels like you said the way it looks, the way it sounds, all fantastic. The performances, not only amazing one time, but amazing <laughs> twice over yeah. from every single person. Yeah. It is such an interesting story. It is an ethical conundrum in that, like, like you said, Adelaide made it out. And part of the issue is that instead of turning around to help bring more people out, she said, no, I'm going to close down and, and just lock off my little piece of land here. And, and you're like, oh man, I want to root for you. I want to root for, for Red when I learn what happened to her. I want to root for everybody. And it does such a great job of playing with perspective in terms of who is a protagonist. Yeah. In, and not just who is the main character that that I think is pretty unique. Yeah. I think that that is something that no other horror movie has done for me. Yeah. And and, and it's just so fantastic. Jordan Peele to follow up such an amazing movie and not hit a sophomore slump. You know, the, the expectations were high yeah. after Get Out. And not only did he achieve that bar, but in my opinion- He exceeded it because this is the best horror movie ever made. Ever made. Ever made.
1: Also, look, let me say this. Let me say this one last thing, too. Sure. Can you really blame Adelaide for shutting down? She was six. No. Hey,
0: absolutely. (laughs) She (laughs) was a
1: kid. She ain't no. Definitely
0: not. Definitely not. This (laughs) is what I'm saying. This is the challenge is like, I understand where she's coming from. I understand why she did, which is what makes it so difficult to Mm -hmm. be like, oh, I want to be on your side. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucked up in the best, very best way. Absolutely. Jacques, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This was My an pleasure. absolute blast. Yeah. Please tell the people where they can find you, any plugs, any shows or anything that you're doing. Let oh, people yeah. know.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Well, first, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to do a podcast and actually enjoy doing it. <laughs> as somebody <laughs> who does a lot of podcasting as a guest and has hosted well over 300 plus episodes of podcasts myself, it's always nice to enjoy the the conversation so thank you for having me oh well thank, thank you. you yeah uh at jockeys nil on everything j-a-c-q-u-i-s-n-e-a-l uh, a few things you know if you're in the la area or if you ever come in here uh, i'm hosting a monthly show at elysian theater called comedian feud like the first show for instance we have paul f tomkins and laura Lapkins playing a game of family feud and i'm the host so that's going to be a very fun time who says yeah, no to that good time uh, sales out quick. We sold out this show in four days. So uh, if you're ever in town <laughs> wow. and you want to catch it, try to catch it. Also, I as far as recently, uh, I'll be in the upcoming season of Physical on Apple TV. Oh, nice. So keep a lookout for that. And a lot of voiceover work. You may hear my voice pop up here and there. Too much to say. I'm recording a Disney Plus show right now that I can't talk much about. But in two years, you will hear it
0: all. There you. <laughs> <go>. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, be on the lookout. But, yeah, thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out his work. It's all incredible. And uh, I will look forward to whatever the new shows are. As far as my plugs, you can find me on Twitter at LittleHorrorPHL. That username applies pretty much everywhere, including the Patreon, where you can find bonus episodes for just a couple bucks a month. We do all kinds of stuff that doesn't necessarily fit smack dab into horror necessarily. We did like EC Comics, which is like where Tales from the Crypt came from. We do spotlights on stuff like that. Branson Reese just came on to talk about the top 13 animated horror shorts from between 1929 and 1953. So truly all over the place. And you can find all that on patreon.com forward slash little horror PHL. And that's it. Thanks a lot. Bye.